2: The Mets, meet the Mets, step right up and reach the Mets, bring your kitties, bring your wife, guaranteed to have the time of your life, because the Mets are really sucking the ball.
3: Welcome to the seventh-inning stretch, National League and American League wild card and division series previews. A lot's happened to you guys since... Uh, a lot's happened to us. A lot's happened in baseball. Probably a lot's happened to you since the last time we, we spoke. Um, my long playoff-less streak is finally coming to an end. Armando's getting there for a, a third straight season. This should be a fun and interesting podcast, but before we get to anything, I just want to say... I gave Armando a lot of crap earlier this year about his team getting no-hit twice in a week. Both of our teams now have been hit no-hit twice in a season, and I had the incredible misfortune of going to see Max Scherzer absolutely annihilate the New York Mets on Saturday night.
1: They call that karma, my friend. Karma. It
3: is karma. It is karma. Now, if I was a Puna Hacipita Padlon from the Simpsons, I would say that karma can only be dictated by the cosmos, and it takes more than one life cycle to go through, which is actually something he did say in an episode. But I, I, I deserved it.
1: Absolutely, you deserved it. How dare you speak about my Dodgers in such a fashion? Like we're just some sort of, you know, common team or something. We're history, man. Walking history.
3: Yeah, well, both of us are now history as teams that are going to try to win a World Series after being no-hit twice in a season.
1: Should be a lot of fun, man.
3: Yeah. So let's, uh, let's go to the the divisions. Well, let's go to the wild cards first. American League wild card starts. 17 minutes actually after we're starting the recording of this. It's the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees. Masahiro Tanaka against Darius uh playing in the Bronx. So, how do you see that one going, Armando? One obviously one game. It's really difficult to predict because you know, anything can happen. But,
1: well, for for me, I mean, being as though it's one game, it all comes down to pitching. Uh, Tanaka to me isn't that impressive. Uh, his ERA was three fifty one this season, five point one strikeout to walk ratio. He's not unhittable by any means. Um and, and Dallas Keuchel's had a great season. Uh twenty game winner, uh two thirty two innings uh two hundred thirty two innings pitched and a 2.48 ERA, he's been good, he's been solid, he's been what they need, and, and he's been their horse, and I think they also have Altuve, Correa, the hitters in this lineup are fantastic, they got a lot of pop, and I think that, that they have enough to, to, to overcome the Yankees, even though the Yankees are home and, and in, in the Bronx, I don't know. I like to see the Yankees in the playoffs. It's always good for baseball, but I don't know if they're enough to, for this upstart uh, Houston Astros team who really, to me, is still overachieving after so many years of, of, of you know, poor performances and, and great drafts and, and, and building properly. They finally have this great team, but I still think they're ahead of schedule, and, and it's great to see them, and I do think they'll advance into the division series.
3: See, I agree with you on the ahead of schedule portion. The thing that would worry me if I was an Astros fan is Keuchel's home away splits this year have been very stark. one 6 ERA, 15-0 at home. 3-7-7 ERA, 5-8 on the road. Basically, pitching in Yankee Stadium is good for a half a run bump, especially considering also in New York tonight it's a relatively humid and warm night. So the ball will carry. So that nearly two and a half run bump that between his home and away splits, plus probably also the, you know, the Yankee stadium effect. I think it does even things out. I don't know though, that this, this particular Yankee team is as experienced, especially in a one game playoff as they have been in past years. You know, they've they've missed the playoffs last year. Weren't around very long the year before that. So it is pretty much to me, a toss up, I just think that the home team will win the game just because of the fact that the Astros are so young and probably shouldn't be there just yet. I I thought coming into the season they were going to be about a 500 team. There are a few games over that, but they faded so hard down the stretch, and I'm just wondering how that's playing into their psyches.
1: Yeah, I think that is going to play into their psyche. I mean, the Rangers did a lot. They made up a lot of ground and they came back and they won that uh, that division convincingly. Um, but I do think that uh, the Rangers, I mean, I do think the Astros are, are going to take it. I don't know if I put too much credence on the fact that they're, uh, you know, too young to succeed here or naive or something like that. I think they're going to go balls to the wall. And I just think uh, the, the, I don't know. I don't know. Something in my gut tells me that the Astros are gonna win. I I, I respect the Yankees and, and their veterans and all of this, but I don't know if I trust their hitting that much. Uh I, I that's really what it comes down to for me is I don't trust their hitting. Uh it's one night and, and if Keiko's on, he's gonna be on. I know his splits are, like you said, drastic pretty much in, in difference. And I do see, like you said, half a run. But I just see the bats for, for the Astros really coming through and scoring a lot of runs. I see this game probably, you know, not even being close. No closer required, in my opinion.
3: All right, well, I mean, granted, given my obvious bias against the Yankees, sorry, Yankee fans, I would happen to, I, I would like to see you, right? I just don't particularly think it's going to go that way. But let's move on to the NL. Garrett Cole against Jake Arrieta is a great pitching matchup and especially in a one game. Those guys are those guys both bring some really really big stones to that particular game.
1: Yeah, man, that's uh that's one of those games that you just got to sit down, grab a cold one and and plan not on moving off that couch for a while, man, because that's just going to be breathtaking that pitching matchup. Expect a very low-scoring game. Uh, I think for myself, I would like to see the Cubs because for history's sakes, Cubs-Cardinals would be such a great matchup to watch in the playoffs. The first time it's ever happened. Although I, I do respect the Pirates and I do think they're a very good ball club. Garrett Cole, I've seen pitch many times here uh, at UCLA and I know what he brings, the type of competitor he is. And, and uh, you know, he's not going to back down from this challenge, but Jake Arrieta, 22 wins this season. He's been phenomenal, you know, really Bringing himself into contention for that Cy Young, there's a lot of factors that are going to take place for that Cy Young between him, Grinky, and Kershaw and stuff. But I do see Arietta really being, uh, uh, you know, quite possibly sticking up and taking that award, and uh, he's deserved it. The, The Cubs lineup, I like. I like Rizzo. I like Russell. I like. The dimension that they bring, the youth, the exuberance, and and although the the pirates have been there over the last couple of seasons and they have this experience to do this and this wild card situation, I'm, I'm I'm really excited to see this matchup, but I do see it go in the Cubs' favor. How about you, dude?
3: I I think it's going to go the Cubs' way too. This is one of those games though between the Cubs and the Pirates. They're such, and, and this is going to be a theme kind of throughout the playoffs. Is there are some teams that haven't been there in a while and haven't had a lot of success. The Pirates, sure, this is their third straight postseason in a row, but you know, coming off a 20-year Barron spell, haven't won a World Series, I think, since 1992. They went, um, yeah, 92 is the last time they won. Pirates, I mean, the Cubs obviously haven't won in 107, in 107 years at this point, so obviously that's the most depraved fan base in American sports at this point. But I would like to see the Cubs win the game. I think it's going to be close. I think both teams have young lineups that can be pitched to. Neither one of them. The Cubs rely so much on the home run that if it gets into a situational type of hitting game, I fear that maybe that's where it gets to them. And I think that the Pirates, having been there the last three years, know how to eke out a close game in the postseason.
1: Yeah, that's a fair point, and it's going to be a a rocking crowd at PNC, and that's a great ballpark, a great place to watch the game. And like you said, those fans have been hungry to advance in these playoffs, and even though they've been in the wild card, they really want to get uh, you know, over that hurdle. And like you said, man, this is a nice playoffs because if you like history, it has the Dodgers. It has, you know, the Yankees are in it. It has these teams, the Coveys and all these teams, the Cardinals, all these teams that are great and then have historical value. And then you have these up-and-coming teams, teams that haven't been there for a while, like the Blue Jays, the Mets. You know, your Mets – and their pitching staff has been phenomenal, and it's great to see teams like that and the Cubs coming up and, and succeeding ahead of schedule. The Astros, it's great to see the nice mix in this in this postseason, man.
3: Yeah, and I just want to make just one comment on Garrett Cole because obviously we're going to get to awards later. Well, obviously, if you're listening to that, you don't know this, but it's on our agenda. Garrett Cole in any other year, uh, 208 innings, 19 and eight, 202 strikeouts, 2.6 ERA, 109 WHIP. That guy's a consideration for the Cy Young, but this year he might, be, you know, in this year with how good the pitching performances are in the NL, he's maybe like a fifth or a sixth choice.
1: Yeah, it's amazing, dude. And somebody that used to catch when he played the game, I really enjoy pitching, and it's nice to see that that type of pitching coming into coming back to the game and that kind of dominance. To say that those types of numbers aren't going to win you the Cy Young this season is just fucking insane, and it's not even going to be close because the candidates ahead of him are really quite a distance ahead of him still.
3: Yeah, I mean even if you look at the guys who are going to probably finish in 4th and 5th in voting and you know obviously we'll get to this later. Uh, the guys who are going to finish in 4th and 5th in voting who I'll you know I'll say I'll I'll save that for the end of the, the conversation are still going to finish way behind those top 3. Way way behind.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. It's not even going to be close. It's, it's 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 phenomenal what's going on.
3: All right. So then let's uh, let's get into what each of these, you know, these four teams, the Yanks, the, the Stros, the Pirates and the Cubs can do in their perspective matchups. I think maybe let's start in the AL. If the Yankees or Astros win, they're going to play Kansas City. How do you think either of those teams match up with the Royals?
1: I don't like those matchups. I think the Royals are favorites and they have home field and everything else in the best record. But for me, I do have a concern with the Royals pitching. I don't know what Johnny Cueto is going to give me, if he's going to be the Johnny Cueto that has been dominant for the Reds for the past, or if he's going to come in and be that struggling Johnny Cueto that we've seen uh, in his time in Kansas City. So that's concerning. Uh, Ventura is, is a pitcher that's sporadic at times, and he, he, he can lose his release point, and he, he could get ahead of himself, and he's a very emotional kid and a very emotional pitcher, so I'm concerned about these things. But I do think that the depth and the experience that the Royals have shown in, in their ability to get to the postseason— And overcome, you know, no one's expected the Royals to be in the postseason last year, and now to have the best record in the AL, and now to, and they made the World Series last year, and have a very good chance to do the same this year. I think that they're building something. You know, concrete, and they're building something that's a good foundation there, and they're they're really achieving things as a team, and I like that, and I like what the management is doing there, the GM and stuff. So I do really like them as favorites. If they play the Astros, uh, I think the Astros will give them a tougher matchup because I think the Astros are a better hitting team. Um, I, I do think that their pitching staff is better than the Yankees' staff. The Yankees obviously have had a lot of uh, trouble pitching this season, outside of even Tanaka, who's going tonight because he's he's their best, you know, pitcher. Isn't exactly give you a ton of confidence, you know what I mean? So I do see the the Royals uh, eking out the L, uh, ALDS either way and advancing into the ALCS because I think that they're just a really quality club. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Royals, dude?
3: I, I like the Royals. I, I worry like you about the pitching because I mean, realistically, in a, a, out of five games, because we're really talking the DS right now, you're going to see Cueto, Volquez, and your and, and your Ventura. Three righties, two of whom are very, very similar in their stuff. In Ventura and Cueto, which is you know throw the hard fastball, rely on a lot of changing of speeds. So it's not as if you're seeing a ton of difference in the kinds of pitchers they throw. Volquez is a bit more of a finesse guy than either of the two of them. But the one thing that they can do is even if they're starting to pitch to contact, they're defensively so far superior to every team in baseball. Especially when you start looking at the outfield, Gordon, Kane, yep. Jared Dyson is a as a, a late innings defensive replacement and right. They're going to they're going to keep you from scoring. And in the playoffs, especially when it starts to get towards, you know, less so in Houston, obviously, because it's the dome. But Kansas City and New York in early October aren't warm. So obviously the ball carries less. Defense comes far more into play. I like the uh, the Royals to win a series against the Yankees. Against the Strohs, considering then you're moving some of the games inside, I think it would become a lot more interesting, just also because of the power potential of the Astros taking that defensive ability away.
1: No, that's a very good point, man. And like you said, the power is going if to, if they do take it to Houston, the power is going to be a huge factor. And uh, as you know, the the Royals aren't exactly a home run hitting team. Their, their highest home run hitter was uh, Kedra Morales and Mike Moustakis, who had 22 apiece, and that's not... In comparison to the Astros, that's uh, pretty uh, pretty poultry, to be honest.
3: Yeah, and I also, with a guy like Moustakis especially, and I mean, Moustakis, Hosmer, Morales, less so Morales, because I think he's more of a proven run producer throughout his career when he's healthy. They're streaky. They're very streaky. And they've had a week off, so you don't know how that might affect them. Now, the one thing I do like about the Royals over either of those teams at the exact moment is... They were in the World Series last year, so they probably have that hunger to finish the job. If not for Madison Bumgarner going completely superhuman, they have a title.
1: Oh, yeah, that, that's a very valid point, dude, and they are a hungry team, and it's a lot of the same pieces that are there. And Like I said, they're just building year on year, and it's good to see. And And I think that if not this year, then they have a pretty nice window to do this, and they're probably going to do it uh, in the relatively short future.
3: Yeah, I, I have to agree. And Ben Zobris was just a great trade deadline pickup who – looked de- dead on his luck in Oakland and really just did a great job for them.
1: That looks like a piece that the Dodgers might be adding in the offseason. Just saying.
3: Uh, he, he makes perfect sense for you guys, especially given you know the, the two older gentlemen that you have playing in the Keystone and, and shortstop.
1: And his relationship with the front office, too. It's just looking that way. Just saying. Yep,
3: but that's a conversation for another pod.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
3: So going then to the NL Central potential matchups – Cards, Cards Pirates, Cards Cubs. Who do you who do you like in any of those possible combinations?
1: Uh, it's going to be a good matchup, man, because as we've seen over the last month or so, the Pirates have given the Cardinals a tough time. The Cardinals haven't been as dominant as they looked early on in the season or for the most part of the season. Uh, the Cubs also have dominated or, or been, you know, superior to the Cardinals in the last bit of the season, and it's it's going to be very competitive. Uh, I want to say that I want to see, like I said, Cubs, Cubs cards, and then the pitching matchups are going to be nice. Uh, Leicester, my... The thing that I, I, I'm most excited to see is is Wainwright. How do you think they use Wainwright before I go on? How do you think they use Wainwright? you think he, Wainwright's going to command the ball and ask to you know get a start in this series? Because Wainwright has looked sharp. It's not like he had arm issues. It was an Achilles. He looks strong. And, and to be fair, he doesn't look like there's any rust whatsoever. What are your thoughts on Wainwright?
3: He's been a great postseason pitcher throughout his career. So I would give him the ball, personally. I think that that level of experience is something that none of their I – mean, all their starters at this point have pitched into the postseason quite a few times because they seem to just you know kind of live in the postseason. But I think Wainwright's the guy who really strikes fear into me, especially with Carlos Martinez going down and being shelved for the playoffs. That's probably been their best pitcher through the course of the season. I would want Wainwright matching up against other teams' ones because, I mean, Wainwright and Arrieta, Wainwright and Cole, better feeling if you're a Cards fan than Wainwright against, I don't know, Jaime Garcia or Lance Lynn or John Lackey. You know, in those in those in those types of situations, especially considering the fact in the postseason, you're going to see another team's one if you go to a if three potentially three times in a series. So, I would rather see Wainwright at least picking up one of those early series starts, maybe pitching a game one in a game four or a one in a game five, just to just to kind of neutralize the effect of having to see an Arietta or a Cole twice in a twice in a series. Once it goes beyond. Wainwright for the Cards. That's when I actually think that they have an advantage over the Pirates that they don't have over the Cubs. Because the Pirates' number two starter, probably Liriano. Good pitcher, not as good as anything the Cards can throw at you, and definitely not as postseason tested as John Lester.
1: Yeah, that's a very valid point, man. But what I do like about the Cardinals are their strong, strong you know, power arms that they have. And in the postseason, you can shorten games. And you know, some of these power arms that were in the starting rotation can jump into the bullpen. Not that they're short on that, but they can really shorten games. And that's something that I think they have um, a distinct advantage over the Cubs, for sure, in that department. Because I don't see the Cubs' bullpen being as stout as uh, even the Pirates' uh, bullpen. So how much do you think the bullpens are really going to come into play? A
3: lot. Especially considering the fact that these teams, uh, you know, they're they're all pretty young. Not a ton of pitching depth on the, especially the Cubs or the Pirates. I think that you're going to have to see a lot of the bullpens to, you know, basically the second your starter gets into the trouble in the postseason, you you, you don't hesitate, you go. That's, I mean, you're coaching with actually, you know, you have an extra man in the pen because you're only going with three or four starters anyway. So you're going to that pen as quickly as you possibly can. It's a short hook time. And that's where I think the cards take a huge advantage. The other place I think the cards have a huge advantage over either team, bench. They have a lot of guys who can make contact. And that's really, really big is the Cubs, once again, very reliant on the home run. The Pirates, very reliant on the home run. You need guys who can make contact, get a single, manufacture a run here and there, which the cards do better than either of those teams.
1: Exactly, and they actually rotate pieces uh, better than any team I've ever seen. Uh, the Cardinals are an organization that no matter what's going on, if it's an injury, if it's a, a suspension or it doesn't matter what the issue is, they always have a piece to plug in and it's just smooths over the cracks. When Matt Holiday went out, you'd think that they were going to you know implode a little and no. they just picked up the pieces somebody else played in that in, in that spot and they just it was just a seamless transition and that's what's most impressive about that organization.
3: Yeah, I mean, they won a they won a hundred games with eleven with eleven different starting outfielders.
1: Yeah, that's, that's an insane stat.
3: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that that proves that. I if if you told me that my team at the beginning of the season would have eleven different starting outfielders due to injury, or I mean, or due to I mean, if you see eleven different starting outfielders due to injury or underperformance, I would think that we lost ninety five games.
1: Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with you, and and that's what uh. I think it's a pretty impressive with, like, the Dodgers. I know we'll get to this, but with the Dodgers, they've had the most starting pitchers in the league, and uh, yet their ERA as a collective staff is good, and it's I know that they have the two horses up top, but it's just really impressive to see that much turnover and that much, uh, you know, that many players having to get integrated and called up and plugged here and plugged there and still be successful. So I think it's kudos to those organizations for sure and the, those coaching staffs.
3: Yeah, and it's also, you know, pitching obviously wins in the postseason
1: yeah without question it's uh it's it's what gets you there and it's what's going to get you deep and far into these playoffs and when the it starts to cool down and the nights get colder and colder and you're especially on those east coast and and midwest uh fixtures it's going to be a big difference and pitching and power arms are going to pay huge dividends they're going to make all the difference in these playoffs
3: so now going to the one matchup that's not going to be totally pitching dominated Texas, and Toronto. I mean, both of those teams just absolutely crush the ball and pitching might be the weak point there, but you do have a good game one matchup, which I, I'm just, you know, it's Cole Hamels and it's David price.
1: Yeah. David price is fun to watch, man. And, uh, you know, and he's, Proven it in the playoffs before. He's he's an ace. He's Cy Young material all the time. He's he'll give you the best stuff. He oh has. wait, I stand
3: corrected. The starting the game one pitcher for the for the Rangers is Giovanni Gallardo because I forgot that Hamels will be on a short rest.
1: Oh man, well I think that's gonna boost the I think that's got to boost the Jays favorites for game one. That's for sure because uh, Price is gonna be nearly unhittable and uh, Giovanni Gallardo. He's 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 hot and cold. He's had a better season towards the end, I think, but I don't know if he's definitely gonna be. Enough, especially if the games are in Toronto and, and that crowd's going to be jumping and buzzing. And, and I really think Toronto's really going to be up for it. And they're, they might very well be the best team in baseball, to be quite fair.
3: I, I, I have to agree with you. They're definitely the best team coming in at the moment. So going, so with Gallardo, the one thing I worry about is the pitching to contact against a team like the Jays, where you know, Donaldson, Encarnacion, Bautista, Tulowitzki, Revere... A lot of guys who can do some damage to you. I mean, obviously, Revere, not the home run, but he puts the ball in play and hits it to the gap. It's, it's two or three. But I, I that's the one thing I worry is the pitching matchups really don't favor the, the Rangers at all. Game two, actually, is Hamels and Stroman, and Stroman's look really good. So it kind of even neutralizes the advantage they'd have in Hamels. And then game three, who do, who do, you, who do you throw up there for the Rangers? I have no idea.
1: Yeah, the Rangers have a lot of question marks after those two starters. And um, I don't know, maybe Holland. It would have to be Holland.
3: It would have to. I mean, you're not going to... No, it would to have to be hauling
1: That contract demands it, I think, really. And it's not that he's not a good pitcher, man. He's a good pitcher. But like you said, these Blue Jays are just such a tough team to get out, especially with Donaldson, Bautista, Encarnacion, and the list goes to Uh Ben Revere, like you said, in, in past pods, has played out of his mind this season for them. And it's just uh, these types of things. Everything's clicking, and, and I don't know if... Uh, that staff is enough. Their bullpen is, is grim, too. Uh, I know they can hit, and that's without a question. Adrian Belcher is one of my favorite players in the league. He can hit. He, he rakes. One of the saddest days I had was when he left the Dodgers. And it's one of those things. It's, they're a team that is a feel-good team, too, because you don't want to root against the Texas Rangers. They, they overcome a lot. They've been there before, and they, they're like the, the, the Royals, probably hungry to finish their job. But I just don't think this is their year, man.
3: And it's another aggrieved team. I mean, that's a fan base. The Rangers have never won. They've never won the world series going back to even when they were the, the Washington senators did not win. So that's a you know, that's a franchise that would welcome success. If there is one team that can hit with the Jays, I shouldn't say hit with them, but puts up a lineup that's stacked one to about six or seven in the AL that can really rake with them. It is that team. I just don't think that they have quite the firepower that that Jays team does. I'm quite, I mean, I, I don't think anybody wants to pitch to that the middle of that. Yeah, area. I don't
1: blame them. And my thing is, what do you think? Obviously, we're both going to agree that the Jays are favorites, and we see the Jays advancing. But what do you I think? See the you see, I you see the Jays winning sweep? that series. I I don't know that I see a
3: sweep because I think that this I think a sweep is real is just a tall order. But I don't see it going beyond five or six.
1: Okay, I, I can see that. I think uh, I think. I think a sweep is possible, too, but I, I could see the Rangers winning a game or two, for sure, absolutely.
3: It's also the fact that the Rangers were so hot going down the stretch, but so are the Jays. But then you also have no idea how that four days off plays.
1: Yeah, no, man. That's a very valid point. And, uh, but isn't it just to get best of five? Best of five, I think, either way. I still don't see the Rangers winning more than a game, man.
3: Oh, yeah, best of five. I was was thinking about the CSs already. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't see the Rangers winning more than a game. You know, I I see that it's going to obviously get back to Texas because it has to by nature of the series, but it's probably not going to leave
1: Texas. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that.
3: If they can get themselves to Toronto for a game five, uh, then, you know, all bets are off, especially since you're going... No, you go Price. Then it would be you go Price and you go Gallardo again because you're not going to pitch Hamels on on three days rest yeah, that's that what I'm
1: saying. So, yeah, you got to favor the, the, the Blue Jays. Absolutely. Yeah,
3: yeah. I got, yeah. I don't think, I mean, I'm just trying to talk myself into thinking that this could be a better series, but it, I don't, I don't,
1: yeah, see, I don't it. see it either. But, uh, I mean, you know, Rangers fans, you know, you guys have had a good fight, so. Hopefully, it uh, they keep fighting, and hopefully, they do uh, you know impress and, and make you guys proud for sure.
3: Absolutely. And now for the main event.
1: Get your gloves ready.
3: The New York Metropolitans baseball club versus the Los Angeles Trolley Dodgers. The Mets managed to lose five of their last six once they clinched because they I don't know I don't I don't know what they did. I I, I, I don't know. No what one is upset on this side. I'll
1: tell you that much. Yeah, yeah.
3: No one's yeah because home and home field goes to the Dodgers. The Mets are a decent road team. The regular season series was one four game series, one three game series. Mets took four out of seven, uh, but the pitching matchups in this se- series are absolutely unreal.
1: Yeah, man, and I'll be lucky enough to be at Game One, which is you know a beautiful matchup between uh, reigning MVP uh, Clayton Kershaw and uh, Degrom. You know Jacob Degrom.
3: Reigning National League Rookie of the Year.
1: Yeah, exactly, and uh, All-Star Game starter. Yeah.
3: I mean, it's a, it's a really, really, really fine matchup between the two. I obviously think that Kershaw comes in with a, with a tremendous edge just because of, A, the, the waste he's laid to the National League over the second half of the season. I mean, that, that second half of the season is the best second half of a season I think I've seen since probably Johan Santana in 2004.
1: Yeah, Clayton Kershaw dominated, man. And then the, the the icing on the cake was beating the the Giants in San Francisco on a one-hitter complete game and shutout, and he was, was fantastic. And that's proven a little bit of silencing some of the critics, man, because a lot of buzz around here even in the papers is, you know, that he can't pitch the big game and that he's not a big game postseason pitcher. And that's the most bullshit – fucking thing i've ever heard if anybody's gonna get the ball for one game nobody can tell you otherwise it's got to be clayton kershaw i'd give him the ball before
3: i give anybody else the ball in the majors in a big game but that said the dodgers also coming down the stretch had their frailties especially offensively so this game could be a race to one
1: Yeah, absolutely because like you said, our, our hitting hasn't been fantastic and uh really consistent. Yeah, no no no, you guys have cooled off as well. Uh, you guys go as suspect as goes I suppose and he's cooled off quite a bit. So, I think for us if with Kike Hernandez coming back off the off the DL and Jock Peterson now being a platoon guy and mainly off the bench, I think uh and you know Kike Hernandez is good he got's good pop, he can hit and you know, our second base choices Utley How, uh Howie Kendrick's back, he's healthy. Corey Seager though is the truth. Yeah. That I mean, kid yeah. has come in and then he's just veteran approach he knows what he's doing he's confident up there he looks like he's been in the league ten years jimmy Rollins has that has been a good professional and everybody expected that and he's grooming the kid and he's talking to him and he's he's stepped aside and we're seeing this kid shine and, and and the best part about it for Dodgers fans is that we didn't rush him we let him grow, sit in the in the minors double a for half the season triple a for the other half and then when the, when the games were really coming down the stretch and mattering we gave him a shot and he's he's taken to it like a fish to water and it's fantastic to see that kid is the future of this franchise as a positional player and it's it's one of the most uh refreshing things to see as a dodger fan because we haven't really developed position players like that in a long time we've been pitching kershaw and we've seen arms come through and but to see a bat come through and a positional player and a shortstop at that height be so smooth people thought that he wasn't going to be a great uh fielder but so far he's proven everybody wrong and he's handled it greatly man
3: no he, he he looks like a hell of a player he's one of the ones i fear um You know, there is the human Russian roulette wheel also that is, I said Russian roulette wheel, but the actual, you know, Cuban roulette wheel that is Yaziel Puig.
1: Yeah, man, Yaziel Puig is one of those players who any given night can hit three out and, you know, or hit for the cycle or steal four bags or have three outfield assists. He's ridiculous. Yeah, Or, or He's a freak.
3: And the other thing he can do, though, is like, you know,
1: Four strikeouts. Strike
3: out, strike out four times or run the ball. Two errors. Yeah, run, run the ball, you know. you know, you know, Turn
1: a single into a triple. Turn a
3: single into a triple. You get thrown out at second base thinking that it was the – you know, that uh, thinking there was three outs already on a, on, a, on a lazy fly ball. But, I mean, both teams have players that are kind of that brain dead because Daniel Murphy falls under that trap as well too. He's the single worst base runner and fielder you'll ever see, but he can hit. That's, I mean, that's what he does. He, he hits right-handed pitching.
1: Now – Yeah. And he hits well enough to get him into the lineup every night because, you know what, uh, his fielding, like you said, whatever, we've seen him in the outfield, we've seen him at second base, we've seen him at first base, uh, third base even. He's all over the place. I think first base is pretty good for him. Third's not bad, but everywhere else he's very shaky.
3: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, when he when he originally came up and they tried to make him into an outfielder, that was the biggest disaster possible. But going into game two, the matchup there, Jacob DeGrom, uh, Noah Syndergaard against Zach Rehnke, two guys who, you know, very, very much look-alike, long, blonde hair. Very different kind of stuff, though, that they throw. Granky, you know, still has the 95-mile-an-hour fastball, but much more of just a precision. I can paint anything versus Kershaw, versus uh, Syndergaard, who throws 100-mile-an-hour gas.
1: Yeah, but that gas is really impressive. But like you said, Kershaw is becoming, like the commercial says here on TV, a Rembrandt even. Uh, he's just a... a- you know, he's a Maddox on steroids, if you will, because like you said, he still has that 95 gas when he needs it, but his stuff is very Maddox-like. He he extends that corner by an inch or two. He convinces the umpire by the end of the game that everything on the outside edge is a strike, and then he switches it up on you, and it doesn't matter the catcher. Uh, you, whether it's Grandal, whether it's Ellis, he's very, you know malleable in that sense and works very well. He knows what he wants to do. He calls the game. You can see he's confident up there. And he's a great fielder. He's a great hitter. Zach the total, the total package. You know, he's a little weird and a little off in interviews and stuff. But uh, that's what makes him great, probably. Yeah, it's also the shocking thing that, you know, in retrospect, he even
3: signed in LA because one of the the big things when he was in Kansas City and then Milwaukee was that this was a guy who was, you know, especially the Cy Young season he had in KC, I think his second full season, this was a guy who had just such tremendous social anxiety that you had no idea if he'd ever make the full market value. He could just because of his total aversion to big, to a big market, but he seems to have really taken to LA and he's, he's a pitcher who scares me. Uh, it should be an interesting matchup though also, because it's, it's, it's a six o'clock game on Saturday night. Um, nine Oh seven East coast, six Oh seven West coast. So it's going to be DeGrom pitching into the shadows for a bit and a hundred mile an hour fastball, Pitching into the shadows with his curveball makes it very difficult to hit. So once again, that's another game where it might be a race to one. So realistically, best case scenario for me is we steal one in Dodger Stadium because then the game three and four matchups with Matt Harvey and well, the game four matchup with the big asterisk as to whether or not Steven Matz goes, because if not, it is Bartolo Colon starting, which, you know, experienced guy. I would love that. Phenomenal person. Everybody, everybody should love Bartolo Colon.
1: He deserves it, man. I
3: mean, he uh, he made the single funniest play of the season: the behind-the-back glove scoop throw to first, and just runs off on the line. It was, it was it was hysterical. It's something you don't expect to see Bartolo Colon do. Plus, watching him swing a bat's the funniest thing possible.
1: <laughs>
3: the batting helmet just the helmet just like it gets it gets strewn aside with reckless abandon.
1: Oh, yeah, man. It's like a size either too large or too small. I can't decide, but it just ain't going to stay on. Yeah, it's not.
3: But it, it, it becomes an interesting series if the Mets take one in L.A. I think if they can't take one in L.A., it's it it, it becomes a, an impossible task. Just because then you're facing Kershaw again in a, game, in a deciding game.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh... Maybe and if you guys are lucky to win two games then you're gonna get Granky and Kershaw twice and to beat uh to beat those guys twice is gonna to be tough. Yeah. So
3: that's where I get you know, that's where I, I get pessimistic. But then the other thing is, you know, if you do look at the match pitching, that's a hard team to beat three out of five games with that pitching. So it should be a great series. But I'm gonna put you on the spot. What's your, what's your prediction?
1: I have us winning game one. I have us winning game two. I have you guys winning with Harvey, and then I have us finishing out in four. And it'll probably be Kershaw again, anyway. I'm going Mets in four. I think we. My I, God, you confident son of a! Oh my! All right, hey, we have to. I don't know. We'll figure out a wager. Wait, did
3: you expect me not to predict it?
1: <laughs> yes, actually, I expected you to be a little more realistic. How about that? Oh.
3: <laughs> oh, well, you know, when you let us suspend his hits for, you know, 12 home runs in three games, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to it.
1: Shots fired. Shots fired. Then it's going to be a wager. It'll be on Twitter. I don't know what it is, but we'll figure, we'll figure it, out. it out. We'll keep an eye out. <laughs> we'll
3: figure it out. And I will be in attendance at Game 3, so I get to see Matt Harvey pitch his first playoff game, which can be either very climactic. I, I, I think it'll either be very climactic or very anticlimactic, as has been the case through Matt Harvey's entire career thus far. It's been more climax than anticlimax to be fair. He's a really good pitcher, but uh you know, I'm not going to get started on my Harvey hang up again.
1: I understand. And I like I said, I'm going to be in game one with my brother who's a Mets fan. Uh coincidentally enough, and he's really stoked. So he was nice enough to surprise me with those tickets. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see that, and I, I hope you have a blast, man. And I hope, uh, I, honestly, four or five games sounds like a lot of fun in this series. A lot of pitching, a lot, you know, and it's, it'll just be good for you and me, and, and for me and my brother, it's just going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for this.
3: Yeah, the only shame is one of us has to lose.
1: You do. <laughs> oh. But I do wish you good luck in it. My
3: hands, are, yeah, my, my hands are crossed behind my back. But I wish you good luck.
1: Good luck. Yeah, man, likewise. It's going to be a lot of fun, dude. And, and it'll be a lot of fun on these podcasts for you guys to listen to, too, I'm sure of it.
3: Yeah, because one of us is going to be absolutely
1: miserable. Suicide Watch. Yeah. Like my angel buddies. Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh well, oh, I don't want to go into fans. that. I don't want to go into that, but Suicide Watch. Yeah, no, we're terrible. not talking about
3: them. They're not in October.
1: Yeah, no, they don't get any airtime. No.
3: All right, so let's go on to the awards. Where where do you want to start? Let's start with the Rookies of
1: the Year. Do it. Who do you got for the AL? Talk to me.
3: All right. So I was was going back and forth between two guys, both played the same position, Francisco Lindor and Carlos Correa. I'm simply going to go with the guy who's taken his team further in Correa just because he he showed me things. I mean, this guy looks like a young
1: A-Rod. That's spot on. He looks exactly like that. And he's actually my pick as well. And uh, actually, I, I, John Kruk was quoted as saying that he and Mike Trout are really the future of the game. And I tend to agree with him. Between the two of them and Manny Machado, the American League is really exciting for many years to come if they could stay there.
3: Yeah. The one thing that you worry about with Correa, you know, as he goes through his career, because once again, he's built like A-Rod. So he's a, he's a big boy. He's six four. He's going to fill out because he's only 21. How long does he stay at short before he makes the eventual move over to third base, which will happen?
1: Oh, yeah, it's only a matter of time. His frame is too large, and that's what I fear with, uh, like, uh, Corey Seager as well. He has a large frame, and eventually he's going to have to move over to third base. But, I mean, for the time being, it's nice to watch these young kids be fluid at that size and and make everything look so easy, nonetheless.
3: Yeah, because, I mean, I was just looking at baseball reference right now. If you extrapolated Correa's age 20 season, by the way, so I just want to talk about, you know, doing this at 20 is unreal. You extrapolate out his single season stats this year to a full 162 game season. 36, 111, 23 steals. Get out of here! Oh yeah, that's that's great. That's phenomenal.
1: For a 20 year old kid, yeah, that's that's ridiculous.
3: So who do you who do you go with in the AL? In the NL.
1: You know what? For me, it has to be Chris Bryant. I didn't want to go with him because I think he's too much of a hipster pick. But his numbers are, are no lie. His power is mammoth, and he, the impact he's had on the Cubs, and even though he had this hoopla at the beginning of the year with him not coming up and stuff, uh, it, it was smart on the Cubs. It was smart by the Cubs. I don't care they what anybody saved says. the, year the Cubs. The
3: year. And they still Absolutely. got 151 games out
1: of him. Come on, dude. And he was lights out. He didn't miss a hitch. He wasn't bitter about it at all, it seemed, once he started to play the game, and the Cubs fans just took to him, and he's really making a huge difference there. So you can't really argue with that. And I think, you know, like you said, you're probably going to agree. For
3: yeah, sure. I mean, it's – you know. 26 and 99 as a rookie in the NL Central is it's, it's great especially because the National League offensively is a relatively depressed stat league compared to the AL you know obviously there's fewer runners on base which obviously makes it much easier to hit because you're hitting down the stretch instead of facing guys through the full windup but 26 and 99 you know the, the, the black mark on his game at the moment is that he strikes out a lot. 199 strikeouts this season, but show but me a power hitter that doesn't.
1: Thank you. That's the way this game is going, and and like you said, his power and his those those home runs, none of those are wall scrapers. I guarantee you that. Yeah, I mean, it, this is, some of them are just absolute mammoth shots. Yeah, it's impressive, man, what he's doing, and then and it's just one of those things that he's uh he's just really gonna be. A great player, and if he could stay in that organization and be a cornerstone for them, then they they have a really bright future. And Epstein does, has done a great job there. And it's just you know, again, kudos to that organization and the way they're doing things. It's it's great to see this.
3: So let, let's go to the Cy Young now. Let's go to the let's go to the uh, the National League first because I feel like that one's the one that generates the best the better conversation of the two.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to leave everybody else for you. I'm going to go with Kershaw, Grinky. 16 wins for Kirsch 19 for Grinky Grinky's 166 ERA to lead the the league uh, you know the guy's been, got his two hundred strikeouts, one eighty-seven average, point eighty-four whip. The guy's been amazing. Uh, Kershaw's had over three hundred strikeouts and only forty walks. That's that's really really stupid. And and and, and to say he's had an off year, his two thirteen ERA, one ninety-four average, his whip is a point eighty-eight, and it's it's people you know his wins aren't what they should be, but our team hasn't been exactly what they should be throughout the season. But I think for myself, between Grinky, Kershaw, and Arrieta, it's got to be Grinky. He's been Phenomenal, and even though he didn't get the 20 wins, it doesn't matter. He's he's filled out every category, and his FIP, his xFIP, all of those numbers are far superior to everybody else in the league. And Zach Greinke, by all by by quite a bit, I think deserves this award. Um,
3: I would. So I, I'm not going to tell you who I think should win it immediately. I'm going to tell you who I think will win it. I think it's going to go to Arietta because I think that the I think that having Greinke and Kershaw on the same team is going to split a lot of writers' votes.
1: I can see that, yeah. And
3: Arietta, the you know the twenty-two and six, the ERA below two, the you know a two thirty-six to forty-eight walk rate. I mean, he you know throwing pitching a no-hitter in the season, you know he had he had a phenomenal season. He's a huge headline as why well, the Cubs are actually making it back to the playoffs. So I feel like that's going to capture the sentimentality of the award. Uh, there's two other guys who I think should finish, and there's three guys who I finish think should finish fourth, fifth, and sixth, who are. Jacob Degrom, over two hundred strikeouts, didn't get the win totals because of the fact that the Mets' pen for half the season was a, a dumpster fire.
1: Atrocious, dumpster fire, atrocious.
3: Yeah. Um, Garrett Cole, who we spoke about earlier, nineteen and eight, two hundred and two strikeouts, two hundred eight innings, two six zero ERA. Once again, another great pitcher. And then Max Scherzer, who had, who has realistically no shot at winning the award unless you really love advanced statistics because of the fourteen and twelve record, but an ERA that's you know. Below three, two no-hitters, including a 17-strikeout, 104-game score, the second-highest-recorded-game score in history behind Kerry Wood's 20-strikeout game. I mean, he, he would he would deserve consideration as well, but those guys are a distant fourth, fifth, and sixth to Arrieta, Kershaw, and Granke. I would give the award to Kershaw, the 300-strikeouts, the second half, how much he put the team on his back, now, which, which isn't to say that Granke did, but it's just also the fact that I, I realistically you could give him the award any year and he'd probably be right.
1: Yeah, ma'am. I think for, for Kershaw is that, like you said, he's the leader of that team. And and, and Kershaw as a Dodger fan, is somebody he's, he's homegrown, he's one of us. And he's somebody that's really important to see him succeed like this. And, and, and he's a fan favorite. So, for me, it's hard to say Grinky on the simple fact that I love Clayton Kershaw so much, to be quite honest. But Grinky for me deserves it, and then, uh, like I said, you can't go wrong with either one of those two guys, man. Absolutely not. Yeah. What about for the for the AL? Give it to me. What do you got? Uh,
3: how How do you pick anybody besides uh, Dallas Keuchel? Only other guy I can think of would be David Price, but Price, you know, the whole thing of the win total being as padded as it was because of the fact that he pitched for the Jays. You know, I could see a point for Price, but Keichel's the guy I'd go with.
1: I agree, man. And then like I said, like we both said, you know, the Astros are ahead of schedule and, and Dallas Keichel's a big part of that and and I think like he's going to push them past the Yankees, which is probably on right now behind me, but he's going to push past the Yankees and I think that he he's really deserving of this award and I think not just for him, but as for the Astros as a whole, it would be nice to see him uh, to see him win this award, for sure, without being a power arm and t- just somebody that knows how to work the strike zone and knows how to change speeds and do it, you know, the old-fashioned way almost. Yeah.
3: And just to give you some stats, because they are relatively similar. David Price was 220 innings, 18-5, 245 ERA, 225 Ks, and 47 walks. And Dallas Keuchel was 232 innings, 20-8, 248 ERA. 216 strikeouts, 51 walks. So they're very similar. Keiko obviously getting the 20 win barrier is is huge. The the knock against him obviously could be the, the fact that he pitched incredibly well at Minute Maid and not particularly well else, not particularly well on the road. But that's a weird one because Minute Maid is also a hitter's park.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Except for that, you know, cavern out there in center field. It's it's really a bad box everywhere else. Yeah.
3: Exc- that cavern is huge, but also it's kind of nice, and probably I'm pretty sure there's a lot of center fielders who will appreciate the fact that they're not going to break their leg on that hill next year.
1: Yeah, that I, I've been telling that to, to like anybody that'll listen to me. That that thing's had oh, to go. Oh, it it it's just a massive design flaw. A career ruiner waiting to happen. You know, I'm glad that nobody. It didn't happen. You know, as a, very often, and it's great to you know that they're going to get rid of that for sure. Yeah,
3: back when back when they were in the NL, did you used to fear if a Dodger center fielder was going back there that he was just going to tear his ACL?
1: All the time, man. I didn't even want them to get anywhere. If you felt track, I wanted them to stop. I would just scream at my TV. Yeah,
3: same thing with me. I actually remember seeing a few fly balls out there. I was just like, let it go. Let it go. They're not good. They'll just strike out with a runner on third. But
1: Yeah, for sure, dude. For sure. That's,
3: uh, I'm glad it's gone. So now to the MVPs, I think these two are obvious.
1: All right. I don't know if they're that obvious because I don't think I went with who you went with for the National League, but let's start in the AL. You got Donaldson. Donaldson. Absolutely. Unanimous. If anybody voted for anybody else, they're a damn liar.
3: Yeah, I, I, I don't see it. I mean, Donaldson this year, 297, 41 homers, 123 RBIs, 352 total bases, which is incredible. Uh, just an incredible, incredible player. Changed that. He changed that team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. He was the acquisition of the offseason, and now you know he was the piece that really made this team one of the most feared teams in baseball for sure. Yeah.
3: So, who do you have in the in the NL? Now, now, you've, now you've piqued my fans, my interest.
1: I went with Nolan Arenado, dude.
3: Wow, that is that's an interesting call. I, I I can't knock it too much because of the fact that he was a great great player. But it's a bad team. And I,
1: yeah, it's it's a bad team, man. But his stats, his stats are pretty dumb: two eighty-seven average, one thirty ribbies, forty-two homers, and like like we've discussed in past podcasts, his splits aren't uh, Coors Field friendly. He can do this everywhere.
3: Yeah, I mean he's a, he's a great player. I uh, I can't disagree with it too too much, except for the fact that you know. My, cho- my 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 question. If you're asking me who my MVP is in the National League, it's a clown. That's a clown question, bro. I mean, the 1109 OPS, 649 slugging percentage, 42 homers, 99 RBIs. Got choked once. That wasn't a joke.
1: Hey man, I can't argue with you. He he he's well deserve it, and he should win it, and he will win it. I'm not, you know, uh, but. You know, this is my chance to point out somebody else, and I thought Nolan Arenado was absolutely deserved of it, and the quality of third place he plays is ridiculous, too, and he's the total package, and the Rockies are very lucky, and the question is, how long is he going to be in that's Colorado? A,
3: that's the question pretty much with anybody in Colorado right now, because that team is facing a long rebuild, especially likely because cargo is getting traded in the offseason, so that's just another big bat out of there that's going to probably bring back some prospects and a bunch of pitchers who are going to lose all you – know, a bunch of young pitchers who will lose all their confidence when they realize that their curveballs don't break anymore.
1: Yeah, it's always tough to rebuild there, and it seems like it's in a constant rebuild, but all they can hope for is to keep Nolan Arenado, you know, for long enough to get another run like they did a few years back and get back to the series.
3: Yeah, can I ask you just a, a total aside question? Can you think of one pitcher who pitched in Colorado, maybe outside the first half of one season for Obaldo Jimenez and Denny Nagel, who was actually any good?
1: Damn you. I had both those names, and that's all, that's I, all I had. You had.
3: That's all you have. No, yeah. it's, it's, It was going to be those
1: two, and that was it. Yeah, dude, I mean, it's tough to pitch there, and, and it, it's one of those things that I don't know if even if it's as real as people say it is or if it's just a psychological thing at this point, too. It doesn't help, I'm sure.
3: Yeah, and plus, I'll, I'll give you another th- thing on your choice, in Arenado. if for some reason sports writers decided not to give the award to Bryce Harper due to his interminable level of douchebaggery, I'd be cool with that. Ooh, yeah. I'd be really cool with that. <laughs> I'm sure you I'd be were. perfectly uh, fine with that. He's not particularly likable. I'm not a fan. Yeah, I think
1: a lot. A lot of people probably feel that way, man. I can see that he does rub people the wrong way, but you know, I, I like watching him play the game. He plays it well, so it, 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 he's deserving of the war. But if he doesn't get it for the reasons you said, his douchebaggery alone, I, I too would enjoy that. The
3: only thing I was really upset about when I saw the 2016 schedule is that the Mets home opener isn't against the Nats. Just so Harper, just because I want Harper to see us, you know, a, a banner raised.
1: Oh, man, you love rubbing it into the wounds. Maybe you'll do what the Red Sox did and wait till the Yankees came to town. Maybe you'll just do that.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll put it this way. Bryce Harper will end up as a New York Yankee at some point in his career.
1: Oh, yeah, next to Mike Trout. Oh, yeah. That's going to be
3: outfield—a A $900 million outfield?
1: Yeah, <laughs> no lie either. Oh. That's exactly what they're going to get.
3: Yeah. So we just covered a lot, man. <laughs>
1: We did, brother. I think it's time to wrap it up. And, uh, uh, you know, thanks a lot for joining me, dude. And it was a lot of fun. And this series between the two teams that we love so much is going to be a lot of fun. And, and we'll come back out to you guys. Thank you guys for listening. You know, from me, from Justin, thank you so much. And we'll come back to you guys after the division series and uh, preview the, the, the LCSs for you guys. Yes, and, you,
3: and you'll also, I mean, you got like to hear a sobbing monologue from one of the two of us.
1: It's not going to be me.
3: It's. I hope it is.
1: Yeah. Well, now I think everybody else, the other seven people listening to this podcast, probably hope it is too. Uh,
3: We'll we'll see. I mean, maybe we'll get an (laughs) ace. Maybe, man. All right. Uh, Have have a good one. All right,
1: everybody. Take care. Until next week. Bye, everybody.
2: Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Step right up and drink the Mets. Bring your kiddies. Bring your wife. Guarantee you have the time of your life because the Mets are really sucking the ball.